We've got great pride and respect for the rich history of academic and athletic excellence uh, in our conference. I have milked a cow before, and I have been milked. Down on the West Coast, they got a saying. Which is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. I believe that's true. I want to fight somebody. I mean, I want to fight somebody right now. There was a wizard in the stands and some magic on the floor. Jim Herrick and UCLA can hang a banner in Westwood. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. It is State of the Union night on the podcast of champions in the Pac-12, and in the greater of America, for that matter. Did anyone else watch that tonight? This is the first one I've watched in a long time. I did not get a chance. Uh, I was out at an event, so I did not. Yeah, well, it was some interesting theater. And uh, we're not going to get into that too much. We're going to mostly get on to the State of the Union of the Pac-12. Real simple, Arizona is at 8-1. and one. They, they're ahead of the pack. Um, no, pretty much everyone expected this. Maybe not so much after the Bahamas or even entering conference play, but certainly in the preseason, this is going to surprise no one. Uh, let's talk immediately about this last weekend. A couple underwhelming wins at home that I unfortunately had obligations, uh, weddings and such during. But maybe you guys can just bounce off like how you feel um, you know, after, after beating out Colorado and Utah. Cody, you take this first. <clears throat> oh, putting me on the spot early. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I thought Arizona did well with what they had. Um, you know, whenever you lose a player from your starting lineup who is, you know, arguably your best energy guy on the court uh, in Raleigh Alkins for a couple games, um, it's going to be hard to adjust, um, especially because Arizona already kind of suffers from not having a very deep bench or a very productive bench, should I say. Um, but I think that Dylan Smith filled in pretty well at times. He certainly wasn't uh, the best starter on the court at, by any means. Um, and then you got a lot of good – you've got some good minutes, I guess. You can't really stretch the truth here too much because Arizona doesn't really have a, a that deep of a bench, but – um, I think that you, you saw a lot of what Arizona is capable of by being able to beat those teams while being down. But you also saw kind of the limitations you have where if you have two of your starters getting foul trouble early on in a game in March, you're looking at a bench that, you know, Sean doesn't really trust that much or isn't going to be very productive, and that could put you in a hole early. So that was my takeaway from this weekend. Just Yeah, and with grumblings that, um, DeAndre Ayton had some sort of sickness. I'd seen a little bit of strep throat thrown around, whatever. I mean, we can make excuses till the, till the crows come home, but I mean, at this point, Arizona's one of the stranger 18 and fours I've ever seen, um, poking around on your message boards, Cody, it's, it's as if the sky is falling and everything is 
uh, terrible in Tucson, yet they're 18 and four, eight and one in conference with, I believe it's just a one game lead over SC, but certainly advantage over SC because they host them um, and don't have to pay a return visit. So all in all, Arizona sitting in a driver's seat as far as takeaways from the weekend, uh, just really weird games like Colorado shot 65% for a half and lost by nine when it was tied at the half. That's pretty wild. Arizona had one, I guess there was one team offensive rebound, but Brandon Randolph had the only offensive rebound in the Utah game. Just some weird statistical anomalies to this. And I think if you're looking for a silver lining, it's basically Arizona could still win despite missing a starter, having a six star, um, and just kind of playing these, these games that are, an anomaly to kind of the way basketball normally makes sense. I mean, they're literally, uh, they got one offensive rebound in that Utah game. That's, that's really, really bizarre. Um, all in all though, you know, eight and one in conference is a really nice place to be sitting when, when you consider, um, you know, the margins that this team is playing around, you know, they're, they're not dominating or blowing teams out, which is going to lead to them, you know, not, which suggests that in the future, a loss is pending. And I imagine, Spence, one of the things you're going to want to talk about is, is there another loss sitting out there for Arizona, and where might it come from? I think it's a little too early to talk about that for the year, because they're going to have a pretty good stretch starting this weekend. Neither one of those schools will be easy, even though Wazoo's not having a great season. But starting from the Washington game on the road through the L.A. trip at home, and then two ASU and Oregon schools, that's six games in a row of tier A and, and B Cape Ken Palm games, which, you know, makes it their toughest stretch since uh, the Bahamas and kind of that whole thing that was going on. Um, so I'm not going to say, well, they win another, lose another game quite yet. We can maybe talk about that if they, uh, if, if they're still undefeated after next weekend. But yeah, you said it best. Eight and one, not much to complain about. Even though most Arizona fans have a ton to complain about, and when you talk about that one loss, that's not just the one loss on conference. You know, that's their one loss of their last sixteen games. And every once in a while, I forget that that they have only lost one game outside of the Bahamas because they've struggled in so many games, uh, and they've won a lot of games close to teams that we probably think are a lot. Um, not nearly as talented, or better yet, that we know aren't nearly as talented. Um, still eight and one, though. I will pick apart a few things, and then I want to talk about a little bit of the duality of Dusan because he's having a pretty great statistical season from offense. He's still kind of abysmal on defense. Uh, but uh, is there a little bit of uh, is he this year's Caleb Tarzuski, or let's just line up the rest of the guys who had an unfair, um, you know, polarizing. There was a subject of a lot of polarizing thoughts. Is, is he this year's, you know, two different love-hate type deal? That was very poorly explained, but hopefully you guys know what I'm talking about. I think the thing that I appreciate the most about Dusan Ristich is there is minimal duality. The guy does one thing, does that one thing extraordinarily well, um, and doesn't always get appreciated for it until it truly shines. And strangely enough, it shines not necessarily when big men shine. For example, you know, you look at the Stanford game and the steals at the end of the game and Parker Jackson Cartwright, um, or excuse me, Raleigh Hawkins getting a big layup and some major points. 
during the stretch of that Sanford game. But at the end of the day, Doosan Rich has saved us in that game, saved Arizona oh, yeah. in that game um, by playing big throughout. You know, you go back and you look at um, some spurts in, 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 in seasons past, and just because he's not the guy hitting the buzzer beating three, although he did finally do that yeah. in Utah, which uh, I know is something you wanted to talk about from a Sean Miller perspective, Spence. We'll get to that. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I think you make a good comparison to some extent that um, – you know, a Caleb Tarzuski, a Dusan Ristich, these are guys who we've seen for four years. They're guys who we know what their limitations are, but maybe because they're, maybe because we're fans or maybe because they're college players, um, we choose to believe that there's a lot of, you know, hidden upside, or maybe they're going to snap into some new skill set that they maybe never had before, similar to what some players do, just because they're young and you know, just maybe dumb enough at times to, to be good at something that they really shouldn't be. Um, but at the end of the day, Dusan Ristich is really, really good at a very few things on the basketball court, and it's really unfair to continually ask him to be a great defender, which he just may never be. I think that's uh, that's I think that's very well said, and I think that that particularly speaks to me uh, because I don't I guess. I somewhat expected him to maybe clean up some edges in the defensive end, and that's largely an unfair expectation. Uh, this is big-time college basketball, and you know me being a fan who's out of shape in his lower 30s shouldn't be so critical of a man who doesn't have the capacity to excel on one end of the floor. How do you feel about that, Cody? Um, I actually, I've liked Dusan for a while. I think that um, he goes unnoticed at times because he does have some defensive lapses, but I think it's also not normal in this day and age of college basketball to see a lot of seven-footers and things like that. You have a lot of teams that Arizona plays that are going to go small, um, especially against Arizona. Arizona doesn't you know, play with the big guys all the time. Uh, in terms of you know, playing with you know, major teams, their non-conference schedule is for the most part, very uh, relaxed, maybe a couple big games there. And you have the UC Davises of the world that uh, – UC Davis is a bad example, but <laughs> you, you, you have the, the mid-majors of the world that don't really have seven-footers that are quality. You know, you're running out a center that's 6'9". And you figure Arizona from a couple years ago was running out of center Jesse Perry at 6'9". So you know, him, he's not very – well-versed in moving against the smaller guys. I think he's done more than hold his own against some of the bigger guys. I think that's what we're starting to see now that he's in conference play is that you're starting to see that jump. And I love, I love that call out because when you consider Arizona playing against a Jock Lindale last year, St. Mary's, he, he played fantastic. I think he had, he, he carried Arizona through the first half of that game at 13 on the night. Like when you come up against these, NBA caliber centers at times like Tucson Ristich is going to be able to get buckets against those guys and you don't find them very often in college I mean that, that's worth noting but Tucson Ristich is an asset most teams don't get and, and I think that's just one of those things where like yeah he's a great player he doesn't match up very well against you know smaller teams but when you go up against a team that has a seven footer who you know, is halfway decent, that's where he comes into play because you're not going to have a seven-footer who's running circles around you. you know, you're not going to have the 
you know seven one guy like De- there's no there's no other DeAndre Aiden's out there. All right, we'll so. kill this this point because I think that we're you know we've we've kind of established that yeah, Tucson's good. Uh, mainly, we just bring that up to talk about how great of a gift slash meme guy Sean Miller's becoming. Um, both with his reaction to Doosan's final three, and then a pretty uh, you know, vulgarity laced. I hope I can find it. It's on my phone somewhere. He's putting out some good content. He had the sweaty shirt a couple of years ago, uh, and just many, many, many good intense faces. So he put up Sean Miller on the MIF or the <laughs> meme and GIF game. Uh, let's move it over to USC. Like you said, very quietly. Seven and two, one game behind the Wildcats. It's a shame for the competitive sake of the conference. They don't have to go to the Arizona schools or host them, or they don't get to host them. Um, because many people have kind of said scheduling alone might count them out of being able to catch Arizona. And um, they are entering a very, very critical stretch this week before we see, uh, they even start that. I don't know, Adam, how for real do you feel like USC has been? Um, or how how for real are they? They were they were final four dark horse and hovering around the top ten preseason. I don't think we're quite there yet, but are you sold in them as a legitimate March team? I definitely am. I mean, I think they have on paper just all the things that you need. They have NBA talent. They've got a senior guard, um, and they're starting to play really really well. Oddly enough, they have the longest defensive. Average possession length, which usually correlates to a really good defensive team and sits there right around with um, Virginia, um, who has the slowest the slowest team in the country, usually because of how long they te- force teams to shoot. Um, but oddly enough, average possession length for a USC defensive position is 19 seconds. Fun fact. Um, which ultimately leads me to mention that USC has... Um, actually been playing pretty decent defense uh, once they got past, once they started to figure things out. Um, they, they've, uh, they've been hovering in around the, the mid-90s in defensive efficiency in this, uh, what is this, a seven-game win streak. Um, and the more that they can play sound defense, the better they are going to do, most certainly against an Arizona who can't guard anybody. But when you ultimately just look at this team's profile, uh, it really resembles Arizona's. It's a really good offense, a really crummy defense. Um, and I guess the, the question becomes, between these two squads, uh, which are built very, very similarly, uh, which one is going to kind of turn it up on the defensive end uh, and, and, and take themselves to a conference championship? Cody? Well, if you want to talk about a team that we're going to know a lot more about in the next two weeks, it's USC. Yeah. <clears throat> um, when you look at Ken Palm, uh, they have wonderful numbers. Uh, I'm not quite sold on USC because they've been kind of cherry-picking some of the weaker teams in the conference. Um, and, you know, lost to Stanford. I believe they lost to Cal, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. no just just Stanford and, and Washington. Stanford, of course, being a three-quarter length core shot at the buzzer. Hey, man, a loss is a loss. Oh, yeah. A win's a win. Binary. <laughs> I mean, Unless it's Ken Palm. Well, and, for the entire time, but and let's also know. not forget that five losses is five losses, right, ASU? Six. <laughs> oh, six losses total for USC here. I thought you were referring to their non-conference. Sorry, I'll shut up. Go on, Cody. Um, just 
Uh, I'm not sold on USC yet. We'll see how they do. Um, they had at their at UCLA this week, um, which is kind of a bummer because uh, you know USC UCLA is good, but I want I want to see USC play more. I don't know about you guys. I like watching them play. One game a week just isn't enough sometimes. <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, back to them as a team. I think they're playing well, but we'll know a lot more. They go to UCLA. They go to ASU to Arizona. Those are huge games. They're super late games for you guys or for us here in the desert. They're all eight eight o'clock tip offs or later, uh, so that's going to be a, a real uh, recipe for us. some after dark fun, huh? For sure, uh, I I think that USC is a good team. I think that they are, have a very real possibility of going zero three over the next two weeks. Oh, it's real. Um, so, I'm I'm gonna borrow. Or you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish up, Cody. No, no. I I was just gonna say that you know I'm not real sold on them. If they can come out of the next week and a half, two and one or three and zero, oh, then yeah, let's let's crown them. But yeah, I'm gonna I take a little bit of. There yet. I'm gonna take a little bit of both of your guys' philosophies here. In that, yeah, Adam, you nailed it. Like they have when you look at the things like the checklist of things you want to see for a March team in terms of experience, in terms of talent, uh, continuity, all there. Um, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned their, their, their efficiency on defense during that stretch, but since those numbers aren't adjusted, they're still 110 on the year, which is crazy when you mention the, the long clock, because essentially they allow baskets after, you know, 19 seconds, um, which isn't your typical struggling defense. Uh, but, but I don't get that much out of a good defensive, uh, output. Uh, against un, unadjusted numbers against teams like Cal, Stanford, you know, Utah, Colorado. Uh, that said, I am impressed with winning at Oregon uh, and Oregon State. It's a tough road trip always. Um, but that's really, I mean, they had the Bay Area trip and they had the Oregon trip. And there's there's no surprise. They, they go at UCLA, at Arizona State, at Arizona. If they can get two of those. I think there's no question because uh, they need some of them. They need at least one of those to even – hold up a tournament uh, resume. So, well, no, I'm not going to put my finger on it. I'm just going to borrow some of your guys' points and say let's talk about it next week. Um, but let's move on to ASU. But before we do, ASU's sitting pretty good in terms of a bid, unless this landslide continues. Arizona's got to really screw things up not to be in the tournament. Uh, USC is a fringe bubble team right now, I think. The bracket matrix has them as. Are we writing off the other nine teams right now for bid uh, possibilities? I think it's time. I think we got to do that. Unless you have any objection, Cody. Uh, I'm just, I just don't see any resumes in the conference that shout NCAA tournament team. But there's also a lot of other teams in the country who – are looking like NCAA tournament teams that don't necessarily have better resumes than a UCLA or Utah. Um, so it, it's it's tough. UCLA, yeah. maybe. An un- improbable run, they have something to start with, with that Kentucky win. Oregon's got pretty much nothing other than an Arizona State win. And um, I'll check Utah now, but go ahead, Adam. No, I was just going to say, it's going to – wind up being a battle for uh between ucla utah's got a fighters a puncher's chance to get in there obviously winning in tucson would have gone a long ways for them 
um, you know, briefly jumping ahead to their schedule, <laughs> they do have a pretty a pretty favorable road the rest of the way. They've only got three road games going to Colorado is always a challenge, but the, the Washington trip's probably the easiest of them. Um, and then after that, everything's at home. And so um, when you consider Utah's chances of dancing, um, if they can squeeze into that, you know, that number three spot um, with a win over UCLA, uh, towards the latter end of the season, maybe even USC, that's going to be pretty nice for them. But uh, I still think, as Cody, I think you were kind of saying, uh, a lot of work left for the teams in the conference not named uh, Arizona, ASU, or um, USC. Well, UCLA has an opportunity on the schedule. They have absolutely four uh, Tier A Ken Palm games and two Bs. Utah doesn't have that. They have no tier A games remaining uh, in four Bs. So, I don't know. I mean, they'd have to pretty much run it, maybe lose one more. UCLA, it's just a matter of do we actually expect them to do anything with a tough gauntlet ahead? I don't. Um, and Oregon is is really, you know, late to start a resume as well. So, I have to say, I don't expect – I mean, I, I'm ready to hard cap it nearly at three, but we can – Revisit this subject in February on a pod. Then, um, real quick, let's talk so, about ASU. So I, th- I oh. think we're we're missing out on one team that I think has a sneak sneaky shot at getting in, and is that Washington? Because you know Washington has a, a win a semi away at Kansas. You know they don't have a ton of terrible losses. All of their losses are top sixty. Uh, six Ken Palm teams except for Stanford. Who's better than, I mean, yeah. Yep. Okay, they would have to sweep this weekend. Because they don't have much opportunity left. At Oregon's their toughest uh, task in terms of Ken Palm. Um, And they have to go into that game with Arizona State and Arizona wins at home in the bag on the resume. I do think it's worth noting, though, sitting at their current they could do fifteen it. and six, they de- they definitely could could be in that. Um, no bad losses is huge. No bad losses is is pretty massive, and that is actually a very surprising thing when you look at their uh, look at their their resume. The home loss so, to Stanford is a bummer for them. So, but you're saying if they go twenty, what twenty? So they go six and three to end the season. That's what twenty one and nine. You don't think they're getting in at twenty one or nine? No, because where if you if you lose the three hardest games, then you don't have the the wins. And if you lose three easy games, they're bad losses. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. They're. I mean, I I don't know. I don't see their RPI right now. Their Ken Palms at ninety two. That is pretty high. Um, but I'll tell you what. To even think about it, you have to sweep this weekend, which will just segment into the question we wanted to ask anyway. Over under one and a half wins for the Washington schools combined while hosting the Arizona schools this weekend. Cody, why don't you start out? Because I think I know what you're going to say. I will take the over. You'd take the over I'm if it was like, two and a half, wouldn't you? I don't know. I, I, think my, I think I'm kind of holding at two right now. Um, unlike Adam, I think that Washington is probably you know, behind Arizona, maybe the toughest road trip this season. Um, it's always tough because of the travel between the two schools. 
Um, Washington State's not a great team this year, but at least, you know, they're better than they have been in the last couple of years. Washington with that zone this year, which is, you know, we talk a lot about the zone, but Mike Hopkins just done a good job there altogether. Uh, especially, you'll be able to play with the talent that he has, which Romar, you know, stocked the cupboard before he left for him. It wasn't like it was bare. But he, he's done a great job, and I think that Washington is a school that maybe they don't make it this year, but maybe they make a good run in the NIT or the CBI or whatever they get into. But you but like... I think they're a team that will be good in the next couple of years, will win a Pac-12 championship Whoa. in the next four years. Whoa! All right, hot takes galore. Before we take it around the around the horn here, um, you've addressed only half of the teams involved here, and we know you have a crush on Ernie Kent because you said it. I think on our last episode. So, what are you you expecting? One win for sure from Washington at uh, against ASU, maybe Arizona, uh, and it sounds like you're pretty confident ASU gets swept this weekend. Um. I don't know. Arizona plays pretty poorly against Washington State. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Arizona drop that game. I hate to say this. It wouldn't surprise me very much if Arizona were to lose both games this weekend. It, it's going to be it'll be tough for them to do just because of the way Arizona bounces back. I don't think they've lost consecutive road games and consecutive games outside of the Bahamas trip in like a couple of years, if I recall correctly. But I think that it, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Arizona lose one of those two games. Um, Washington State's playing okay right now. I think they're they're due for a big win. Uh, I think that they win one game this weekend. They've Washington won State one of their Washington last wins. eight games, and it was at home against Cal. Yeah, so <laughs> I think they're due for a win. Okay. Um, over under one and a half wins for the Washington schools this weekend, Adam. Um, I'm going to say... I'm just going to be the contrarian. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say they squeeze, they squeeze out just one win. Um, but that's just my hot take. Uh, I'm not. I'm with Cody in that I do think Ernie Kent always has one big win uh, up his sleeve. I just don't know if it's coming this weekend, um, especially when you consider uh, how well both Arizona and Arizona State play on the offensive end and Ernie's Ken's team, Ernie Ken's team just plays uh, no defense um, and hasn't done much of it uh, all the season long. So um, I'll take the under uh, the one and a half under. Um, what do you think Spence? I'm going to join you. I mean, like I am expecting an Arizona sweep. I'm not expecting it to be easy. I understand the challenge, but I think that as far as all the scenarios and the outcomes, um, the most likely of all of them is 2-0 and for Arizona. And I, I certainly do like the odds of Arizona State stumbling. They haven't completed a sweep of any kind on the year, uh, home or away. And uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, Arizona State, uh, well, well, you said it, uh, Cody. They have won every single one of their wins is on the second game of the weekend. After a team is, say, beat up from playing the physicality of the Arizona Wildcats? They've been doing it for years. (laughs) We've been talking about it on this podcast for years. They've been stealing wins from being Arizona's traveling pod partner. Uh, Adam, I'm a little upset that you don't have the statistics ingrained in your memory. Uh, I actually don't. I'm not really positive that in going back and looking at years and years and years of 
ASU data that it really fully panned out, but it is a delightful narrative. Yeah, no, it's convenient as hell for uh, for those of us in the Wildcat circle. Um, but I like them to lose one game this weekend. Um, real quick, because I only heard about this tonight. Cody, what did Shannon Evans say exactly? Uh, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said something along the lines of that ASU was the best team in the Pac-12 and that the conference wouldn't be anything without ASU's non-conference wins. Spencer, thoughts? Okay, um, they're not... What are you, what's going through your mind? I think it's kind of hard to say you're the best team in conference when you have a losing record nine games in. But with that said, I get what he's saying about if it weren't for our non-conference, the Pac-12 wouldn't have much. Because Arizona's pretty much hung their non-conference hat on being a Texas A&M team that has slid considerably ever since. And then you have UCLA's win... Um, Actually, no, I'm going to go back on this because UCLA still beats Kentucky, and more importantly, um, you know, Washington still beat Kansas. So I think that, you know, Shannon Evans is just not really considering things outside of his own domain. I would say I respect, I had tip the, con- the, the confidence. Um, I always think it's, it's A-OK to call it yourself and keep your mouth on yourself. Um, but then to just, to, 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 to diminish the, the, the rest of the conference, and we all know where that jab is, right? It's on one particular team that had international troubles. Actually, I shouldn't tell you that. One team had international troubles. One had international incidents. Um, anybody? Anybody? Keep it up with that one. <laughs> Shout out to the UCLA. Um, <clears throat> alas, um, shout out know, to Lithuania. The, the ASU is a pretty damn good team. Um, it's really strange that they're four and five in conference. Um, you know, you want your best players thinking you remain the best team in the conference. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, you're about to play a game, uh, at Washington against a pretty hungry team. Um, a team that, um, probably thinks pretty highly of itself. Um, and you're going into a contest. There's no reason to just kind of add uh, locker room um, or what is it, me- you know, message board, locker board, whatever board material uh, when you don't need to. But, um, you know, maybe that's the tune that ASU is going to take in trying to kind of turn around their season. Uh, but right now it is not trending well at a, at a uh, negative uh, efficiency differential. Uh, which is not a good indicator for future success. I'll add one more thing before Cody finishes off. Uh, it is concerning to me, if I'm an Arizona State basketball fan, that in the middle of this struggle and with a good roster and with plenty of time to write the ship and still being considered a dangerous team come March, you're looking backwards, right? Arizona uh, has had their hardships. They're the kind of program, and they have – the confidence rightfully so because they've been there for so many years in the past six years. But they're not – I mean, they're thinking forward. They're thinking forward after three losses in the Bahamas. Um, Sean Miller's given him plenty of hell, but he's been thinking forward about it. Why is Shannon Evans um, stuck in, you know, looking back? Is this – is this um, is there more to read into that? That he maybe doesn't believe – he thinks they've maybe peaked this season. Um, which is interesting to even ponder, considering he just said that they're the best team in the Pac-12. 
But since results don't seem to matter in that statement, huh? Cody? Um, I, I, I can't say that I know exactly what the context was that he was talking about. You know, what, what questions were asked before, what questions were asked after, what the feel was in the room. But it, it's just something weird that you would say. I don't, I don't, and I don't know if he went out of his way to say this, but you know, it, it's it just strikes me as something where he's taking a shot at someone in the context that I understand it as being, and you know, that's not something you do when you're four and five. That's not something you do when you're, you know, not playing very well, frankly, <laughs> at all. Um, that maybe they have peaked, and um, you know, maybe he is looking in the past. Uh, you can't. They have that Christian Leitner uh, commercial they play every year at March time, where he has that whole thing about not resting on your laurels. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're like, hey, you know, we were number two in the country at one point in time. That's as good as it's gonna get. Let's just well, I don't think Bobby play. feels that way. I'm just a little surprised that one of his best players <laughs> might potentially feel that way. But I'm no Freud, so let's not look maybe look too into far into that. Just a weird thing to hear, though, like you said, from a team that's struggling and certainly can't be too happy. I mean, you get the win at Colorado, but you don't necessarily get the confidence off of that kind of win to start rattling off your mouth like that, especially when you don't have to make a – you've got the big weekends coming up. You know, this weekend, Washington's big, but, like, you host the L.A. schools and then Arizona. That's maybe the weekend to start talking shit and get rallied up. But who knows? So so here's the thing to consider. And, and this is just something that I thought about uh, you know, a few seconds ago, so it's probably not going to come out very well. But who's the big dog in the Pac-12, Arizona? You know, do you think it matters to ASU whether or not they're number one in the com- in the conference, or do you think it just matters to them that they beat Arizona? You know, this may just be what they're building up to. They may not care about the NCAA tournament. I'm sure they do, but you know, that's what it kind of comes off to is you know, we just want to beat Arizona. We just want everyone to know we're the best team here. Blah blah blah. You know, we're better than uh, the team down south. That's kind of what it comes off as. I think that's any other year, though, but this one, where you have a legitimate reason to think that you're more than just uh, someone that circles one game of their season all year because they're not competitive enough to circle the whole season as the focus focus point. So, again, it's just strange. But we're probably talking about it too much, unless you have anything else to add, Adam. No, I'm with you guys. I mean, I think you guys said it well. It's... It's just kind of a strange thing to say. I do think it's, again, directed at one specific team. And, um, you know, those two teams play in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, whether, whether you know, things get mouthy or not, like this was going to be a big game regardless for, for both teams. Um, you know, unfortunate for one of them, it's not going to have much bearing on their ability to win the conference title. Um, but that's just a position that that school tends to be used to. Um, uh, real, real quick, because you brought it up, Adam, about chippiness. Is this one of the chippiest Pac-12 conferences you've seen in in recent years? I was I was certain there was going to be fights in both Arizona games this this week. There was uh, technical fouls in the ASU. I think it was ASU Colorado for you know a bump. You had the Cedric Fairfield and Alonzo Trier situation. Uh, it it. It seems like it's chippy a lot this year. 
Yeah, I mean, you had the timeout, that whole thing with Tad Boyle and such. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious, like, what might be going into some of that, um, especially because it felt like a very new Pac-12, like a lot of turnover from some legacy players and teams that have been around for a minute. So it's not like there's some some holdover bad blood or anything like that necessarily. Um yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't, I don't really know. I think at a certain point, like there has been some, I don't know, some latent resentment as it's pertained to you know, maybe some of this FBI stuff. Um, where, yeah, I don't know. There's there is just a weird air to this this Pac-12 season, um, and you know you've got some new bloods and. ASU doing things. Um, it's it's tough to tough to necessarily quantify. I'm sure there's an increased number of technicals or something like that that we could look up. But um, yeah, I don't know if I've necessarily explicitly seen it as more chippy. Uh, but there has been a weird uh, air to this season. I don't know, Spencer. You notice anything? It's a weird air, not just in the Pac-12, but all around the country. And that's why we're doing the State of the Union podcast. That just ended. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna connect those bridges. By the way, when the Republicans were chanting USA, uh, you know, it struck me. It, it kind of reminded me of one conference's fan base a little bit, like uh, unbridled enthusiasm, um, and just out of place <laughs> chanting um, about yourself. Just, just SEC. That's the one. Um, but I wasn't hearing any names. Um, but yeah, it is a weird time, weird place. We're going to continue to cover this, of course, because we care so deeply about making the Pac-12 great again. Um, we'll see you same time next week, and we'll see who's the victor of the over-under one-and-a-half bets in the state of Washington for the Washington schools, since Adam and I thought it would be less, and Cody, you thought it would be more. All right, that'll do it. Catch you next week. See you guys.